Listeners, please be advised that the following podcast does contain some strong language. We hope you enjoy. We're putting up new buildings, we're knocking down the old. We're working in the summer heat and in the winter cold. And the labour power we sell, me boys, for a hard and weekly pay. Produces mighty profits for the greedy MBA. And whether we were born here or born in Italy, in Greece, in Spain or Ireland, in England or Fiji, we all of us are workers united, we must stand until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land. Welcome to Creatures of the Industry, an ongoing series of oral history interviews with the people who made the building and construction industry in Melbourne and regional Victoria since the 1960s. These podcasts are sponsored by the Concrete Gang in cooperation with Community Radio 3CR. And break a couple of concrete pores to back our log of claims. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high. It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky. We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed. Our builder's labour is a name to make a man feel proud. So deregistration for you mm. on a personal level was not exactly the best of times. No, no, it wasn't the best of times for me. So I had a, had a spell out of the industry for a couple of years. So I went and lived down a bush for a few years. But I was, I was, most times I was coming back to the industry and staying down, down my mum's or my nan's mm. and still staying in the, in the building industry from time to time. So, and then, so what sort of jobs were you working at? Down there. No, just wherever. Oh, so in the just, building industry? Yeah, yeah, just being a builder's labourer. Any particular jobs you recall? No, uh, no, they were uh, government-based jobs, as in like for state-skilled nurseries, that was doing the landscaping and the brick paving and shit for extensions on new primary schools and that, but, which was all right, I didn't mind, but I wasn't in the, in the mainstream. You couldn't, I couldn't get a job with, with any fucking builder. Any big builder, there was no way. So, but I didn't. I didn't regret that. So I didn't say, "Oh shit, I should have been an organiser." Well, mm. well, I filled in when I had to fill in, but I, I'd rather just be on the tools. You know what I mean? Mm. I still had a political interest in the shit that was going on. So, I mean, I was around for a, a long time. So, so in all that time, from right back into the early seventies yeah. through to deregistration, yeah. How much time did you put in as an organiser? Uh, a few tours of duty, but yeah, a couple of couple couple of years. Yep, a couple of years. Any but particular blues you remember from that time? Not really. I, I mainly had I had my, more blues when I was a shop steward. Like when I worked for Norman J. Hills at uh, a shutdown in Dandenong, ACI Pilkinson. We were pulling out. Fire bricks that I subsequently found out was brand asbestos because I went and got it tested at Trades Hall. And so I'm working in this cloud of dust. Me and Archie Thomas, Pixie Tate, Brian Boyd were all on that job, whoever was the somebody. So anyway, so we locked ourselves in on that job. And 
I was a shoppy there, so we locked ourselves in, and all the press came because um, they wanted to know what, why we locked ourselves in and why we weren't on the other side of the fence and lock ourselves fucking out. Mm. And I said, well, for a start, ACI Pilkerton wants us to keep these blocks mm. because they're going to reuse them. And I said, we want them off the site and just get rid of them so that someone else can't breathe in asbestos dust. So anyway, these Junos were, were carrying like two Bob Chocks. So anyway, I, I got my bag of asbestos and threw it at them over the fence. And I said, now you like that? I said, that's what we're breathing in all day. And they shit themselves. Oh! And I said, oh, fuck, we're here to stay. So, yeah, so. Did you win the blue? Won the blue, yeah. yeah never win something I was never going never gonna to win. I mean, you lose battles, but you, you pick yourself up. But no, I never lost that blue. We Did won. You do that. a bit of refractory work elsewhere, or no? Hawkins? No, that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah, I did a couple, and that was enough for me too. But anyway, never mind. Uh, in fact, I was working on a refractory job down at um, Hastings yeah. the day that uh, the Whitlam government was sacked. Yeah, yeah. And we all went to town next day for the uh, for the rally. The rally, yeah, yeah. I went there myself. And there was an experience there that I think I'd be interested in your comment. Uh, we're working with a bloke, his builder's labourer, and me. We were helping the refractory bricklayers, doing a bit of scaffold, removing stuff, breaking stuff up. God knows what was in it. And when the, the message came that we were to stop work and go to the rally in the city, this bloke said, because he knew I knew he was a lib, <laughs> country boy, said, I can't do that. Yeah. But if the builder's labourers tell me to stop work, I'll stop work till they tell me to go back to work. Yeah, I found that. And that is a common experience? Yeah, because that's your comradeship with your, with your workmates. I mean, because you've been through battles with the boss over insignificant things and major issues. And whenever it was a call, call or arms to get together, we did. And it didn't matter the politics or nothing. If it, if it concerned builders' labourers, it was a, it's just even a social issue, we backed, we backed it 100%. So I didn't have a problem. It didn't matter what your politics was. I mean, if a builder's labour is in strife, then everyone gets around them. Because the union came first, hundred percent. Politics came second. Is that your way of looking? At oh yeah, yeah. Look, I seen, I seen, I see it's all, it's all tied up with each other. But, but I, I always it was always the builders' labourers come first. Everything else come after that. I mean, your social issues, the political issues, all come after it. I mean, it was that 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 that's the heart, the heart, heart, the heart of your organisation was your union, because mm. you could rely on your workmates. And you can rely on the union office to back you, because so, most times, most times, the blues you had on the job didn't involve the, the union office or an organizer. I mean, you'd let them know if you were going to down tools, but other than that, day to day issues. So that, that's how I see them. I mean, they were major things that happened in those days, but mate, we just went we went to war as one. So when you get in a battle with a boss, I mean, I, I know what the outcome is. As far as I can see, we'll beat you. You know what I mean? I don't give a fuck what you, how many QCs you got. I, mean, I was always told what you don't win around the fucking out in the battlefield. You never win around the boardroom because you soften them up before then you take them to arbitration or sit in a conference table with them. That's what I did anyway. And just on that uh, self-reliance, this is another reason why you didn't get your licence. So you didn't have to drive a union car with a two-way radio in it and be checked <laughs> up on. 
that that wouldn't have worried me in the least. But you would have sort of turned it off. I would have turned it off and not worried about. <laughs> right, on a serious note. Yeah, mate. The sort of social issues yeah. that you experienced through the seventies and eighties. Yeah. What do you remember as being hot issues, but not straight up industrial issues? Ah, uh, social issues. Yeah. The plight of the Aborigine. Mm. I mean, back then is no no different to today. I mean, they're still getting treated like shit. I mean, it's their country, it's their land, not ours. We're just visitors. So, whenever there's an Aboriginal issue, I, my ears always prick up. They've got my full attention. And back from my young days, when when I was dealing with it, I mean, social issues like that. And I mean, homelessness. The plight of those less fortunate myself, I always take an interest. But social issues. Uh, they're always at the forefront. I mean, because if you're industrially minded, your social issues are there, are there in the back of your mind all the time. So always look out for each other. It doesn't matter what colour, what nationality. We're all working class people. I, I, that's how I see, see it through my lenses. But along the way, you also got mixed up with a few other issues. The sure. union used to get involved in a few other things. Yeah, yeah. Do you like to uh, reminisce about a couple of them? Only because they are, in some ways, extraordinary. And at the same time, amusing. What, going outside the Russian embassy in 1980? Yes. Well, Russia... Supporting supporting the Afghani people. Yeah, of course, 100%. In 1980, I went to the... A few others put a caravan outside the Russian embassy in Canberra after Russia invaded Afghanistan. And uh, we were out there for a few, a few weeks, and we weren't. We learnt their code. They used to use a certain beep 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 system on their car horn to get the gates to open automatically and shut. Mm. So we worked that out, and we used to go over in the union car and park out the front and do this toot toot toot, and the gates had opened. So after a couple of days, they had to work out a new way of letting letting the Russian foreign minister in because <laughs> we had them fucked. And one day, one day, I Did sit- you actually drive in. No, nah, no, nah, they didn't. They come over one day. Ivan and Boris come over one day, <laughs> and they they said to us, "Listen, we've got some." They had propaganda film on, on the invasion of Afghanistan, so they said, "Look, you're quite welcome. Come over tonight. We'll have a film night." And and I, I turned around and I said, "Hang on, that's Russian territory in there behind them gates." I said, "You won't be seeing me in there, you fucking ruskies." Anyway, so they pissed off, right, and. Uh, yeah, so we tor- tormented them for a couple of months. So. And another time, another time, I was sent to the Amiga Navigational Base down Sailway, and the uh, just to be even-handed, torment the Americans. Yeah, and the AWU were doing the rigging. It was a Spanish company, yes. and uh, that was our work. So the federal police, we used to fight with them. The media used to come in helicopters, and they they go in the paddock across the road, and they'd all come over and they film us and. We'd be punching on with the federal police out the front, and then the film crews would nick off. So then we'd go back to playing the game of cricket we were playing, us and the federal police. I think we were six for 95. So here we are. We're playing cricket inside the, inside the, the base yeah. with the federal police during the day, except that the media come, then we were fighting them. But they were quite happy to let us inside. The, and that night, they'd come up and they'd pick you up and take you down to the base to have a shower. At night, and here we are. We're supposed to be not allowed on the premises, trespassing. 
Oh, fucking laughing. Someone, one day we'd, we'd gone somewhere. Anyway, someone blasted a shotgun hole through the caravan. Some liberal. Yeah, so I went to a few events like that, like... The light Towers at the MCG? Yeah, the Light Towers. Fucking hell, yeah. There was a bit of a uh, understanding there with the police too, I reckon. Yeah, there was. But uh, I didn't have much to do with the Light Towers. I know all about it, but I, I didn't have much to do with myself. But I used to, uh, I don't know if it still goes on today, but back, back in those days, yeah, you always had a social conscience. I mean, you do your hard yards, you work all day, have a few beers after work and that, catch up with your mates, but you still had social issues. And well, the union loved, and we loved getting all the info on different struggles of different people. And I mean, on the exec, we'd get letters and we'd get inundated with people with social issues. And you'd take an interest in what, what they had what their issues and their problems were and, and, and see if we could help them. And uh, along the way you get tied up with them and then you'd go rallying, rallying with them on a personal basis and that. So, you remember any particular campaigns you got involved in? A lot of campaigns. I got a, a lot of Aboriginal campaigns I, I used to get involved in. And then um, social issues was, was, was housing availability. This is back in the early 80s, I mean... A housing crisis going in, and the public works department used to build all the public housing, and it wasn't a private end of town. But I mean, I remember working at Gordon House, and that used to be an old um, an old building run by the Salvos and uh, Little Burke Street. Little Burke Street. So I got a job there, and the, the same gang of blokes, Brian Boyd, Archie Thomas, were all working there again. And the builder knew that I was on the executive, so he made me a leading hand to his demise because they'd have their meeting and, and they'd be tell, talking shit and I'd be t- telling the boys what the boss was up to. So anyway, so it was a Hamer government then, was it was uh, the state the state government, and I, f- I forget who the land minister was, but we had an opening day for this uh, for this fucking place. Anyway, uh, he come down, we had a plaque uh, unveiling, had all the workers' names, were really good, had everyone at work there on, on site, had all these names on this plaque. Anyway, this Liberal Land and Housing Minister gets up and he, all the media are out of there and he's waffling on and thinking. And, I've, and so I thought, fuck you. And I've, I've turned around and said, what about the land deal? What about the land deals going on with... Because uh, there's a big inquiry into the, into the home of government over land and housing deals. And I'm going, what about the land deals? What about the land deals, you shifty prick? I can't think of his name. Anyway, so I hurled that much abuse at him that he left. Anyway, the next day we went to work and they pulled down our, our plaque with all our <laughs> names. So, so I don't know where that is. Or, or, or the silver shovel from Tabby Fraser. Uh, so our plaque got the arse. Yep. And it didn't matter anyway because we had John English was the, the band that night going to play. Mm. So everyone knows John English. So the catering was going to be privately done and, and we, we claimed that, that Carton in the... Uh, the sheep and the pork was builders' labourers' work, right? Because you had to chuck it on your shoulder like a gas acetylene bottle. So that was our job, mm. right? So all the caterers they could bring in whatever they want, but all the food was brought in by us. We that was our work. Uh, so, so this was the new Gordon House, yeah, down near the river, yeah. And this was supposed to be a huge benefit to people in financial difficulty. Who couldn't afford housing. Yeah. Didn't mind having a slap up though. No, no. Now, 
That leads me on. Green bands. Green bands, yeah. Right through that 70s period into the early 80s, green bands were front and centre for the builders' labourers. Yeah. A lot of approaches from community, a lot of approaches from quite prominent people in the establishment looking for support to uh, save parts of Melbourne. Yeah, yeah your the Vic Market. Memories? Yeah, no, I remember those. The, the Vic Market, City Bars, they missed getting the Paris end of Collins Street. They missed that because... That's when the demolition started. Yeah. You know, in, in Collins Place. Yeah. So if we had a started a bit earlier, we could have saved that Paris then, but that's to no one's fault. So I think, I don't know, we end up with 23 green bands or something in Victoria, yeah. I think. But, uh, yeah, so. Now, I just digress slightly. Been over to the Vic Market lately? No. There's a little plaque up there. Yeah, I know. It's off Victoria Street. What's it, what is it now? Talking about the uh, efforts that went into saving the Vic Market. I used to go... Not very big. No. And it certainly doesn't mention the BLF. <laughs> Thanks to the Melbourne City Council. I, um, I went to a couple of those meetings with uh, Malcolm McDonald, Brian Boyd, Mickey Lewis, Dave... Uh, What's Dave's like last night? Dave Karen. Dave Karen, yeah. So I went to the last couple of those because they were right into the plaque and all, all that. So, yeah, so I, I, I went to the last the last few of them. And then then I got a job down the Metro Tunnel and I didn't have the time, you know what I mean, yeah. to, to to get involved. But, yeah, I did I did hear it was getting pushed, but I, I did hear the saying that they, were, they weren't going to mention the BLs on it. And so. Yeah. I wouldn't have worn that. I would have told them to go and get fucked. So, I mean, it was our union's effort that got the ban put on it. So that's where Melbourne's first cemetery is under that. Yep. And uh, a lot of graves still there. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Now, any of the other bands you got involved in personally or? Oh, probably, probably hundreds. Mm. Uh, well, it was just part of the business, wasn't it? Well, it was, yeah. I just I think all the time I was blowing over something. Now, just looking back, we uh, can remember 1986 was the first deregistration. Five years later was the second one, or the continuation of the uh, deregistration. And we were in a situation where the BLs ended up having to make a decision. Mm. BWIU, FEDFA, et cetera, et cetera, ripped off as many members as they could. Yeah. And it's all history now, but we're involved in a civil war in the industry. Yeah. Looking back now, there's probably quite a few of the uh, bosses who were around at the time uh, have said to me, well, no one was a winner in all of that. No. Because they certainly didn't uh, get out of it scot-free. It's and, squeaky clean, no. Uh, no. So it, was a, it was a disaster. What was your memory of the deregistration and also your memory of where we went in the BLF at that time? I think, with regards to the BLF, we didn't have much of a choice. I think I spoke to Normie Gallagher after that, I, I, and I said to him, because at the time I said to him, you, you should have retired two or three years ago, Norm. Been here too long now, it's going to shit. And uh, in his uh, flamboyant way, he goes, oh, don't worry about it, son. So, anyway, it went to shit. But during those days, I mean, we didn't have much choice but to join up with the BWIU and the, the other building units, but the one thing about it was we were the only financial union out of any of them. 
because none of them had any money. FEDFA, BWIU, ACNJ, none had any money. We had we had not only money, we also had houses in Victoria Street. We had terrace houses. So the union was set up. So that's why they wanted us involved, because we were financial. So we had the money, and they just wanted to get hold of it. So, But they didn't want any of The state government took it all off. Yeah, I know, I know. 1987, and uh, took and then for you, the Brax government to uh, get the BLF assets back. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I remember uh, Bobby Dalton and um, I'm trying to think of the Irish organiser. Jimmy Fleming? No, nah, no. Nah, um, the one you couldn't... Uh, Martin Greening. They, they, had a court, they had a court case going on for years yeah. trying, to, trying to get the assets to be distributed to the members. Yeah. Uh, and I remember... And I went to both of their funerals, so... Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I went to a lot, a lot of organisers' funerals that helped me decide that what, I, what I wanted to be in the industry and, and, and to become. I mean, if I go back... I go back to the days when I first started and, and I was taken under the wing of some of those officials. Um, I mean, the struggle they had. And I always remember the sign above Norman Gallagher's office that if a fish kept its mouth shut, it wouldn't get caught. So, and I, I always go by that policy. Well, some of the officials and prominent members of the BLF do you remember and, oh, yeah, and have plenty of some regard for? And yeah, uh, are there officials of other unions. Yeah, there was a couple. Of, there was others from other unions, like uh, Billy Davis. I got on with him well. So I go back to the days, George Crawford, and all, all those guys. Yeah. So I mean, they were all good blokes. Uh, Kevin Casey, uh, ASC and J secretary, he was not a bad bloke. Back then, the Sparkies was a, uh, a right wing union, an association then. It wasn't what they are today. But they all like. The people I work with, like Archie Thomas, I mean, he taught, taught me heaps, Arthur, and he, he taught me how not to have any money because he just snip me <laughs> and never pay it back. Uh, but no, he was a good bloke. So no, Archie, Archie was a good teacher. I work with Johnny Level, Peter Castle, no leagues. So I, I work with all those guys. But uh, officials, no, Barry Kemp was a good bloke. I got on, got on well with Barry. Mickey Lewis, Mickey Lewis and I go way back. I can remember him getting kicked out of Trades Hall and uh, coming back the following week in a mustard, well... Suit. Mustard-coloured suit and apologising to the secretary, who was more offended by the colour of the suit (laughs) than anything else. But anyway... I remember when he was the first claims officer. The BLs had his office on the right-hand side when you went in the door before he went up the stairs. And I remember when he got sacked, Norm sacked him one time and he had a one-man picket line out the front <laughs> with a placard. I used to piss myself laughing. Uh, but fu- funny times, I mean, well, I remember going to the Arbitration Commission once over kickboards around around some scaffolds around a column and, and they were high columns, so in my eyes, some shit come off the top of it. So I blacked them all and anyway, subsequently put the blokes in the sheds over it and in those days, you go to Arbitration Commission one or two days. Mm. So I had the blokes in the shed. So I went to Arbitration. I took photos, all these photos of the no kickboards and that. So I go to Arbitration. I'm trying to, I'm trying to show Justice Harley. He's sitting up on, up on his perch. 
And I'm saying, I've got these photos I, I took, I want to show you. And I'm getting objections from a QC from representing the master builders next to me. And he's going, I object, I object. I said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so Justice Ellis said, Greg, you can't swear at people. I said, but I'm trying to show you evidence. They won't allow it. He goes, look, I'll tell you what, I'll, we'll go into conference. So he comes down off his perch and sits opposite us at the table and he goes, oh, give us a look at these photos, Greg. And this QC still objected. And I said, I told you before, shut the fuck up. So anyway, I showed him the photos and I said, look, there's no kickboards on them. Have a look. And he goes, yeah, I can see that. So anyway, he goes, uh, oh, I'll make a decision. He said, uh, how much lost time, Greg? Oh, four days. No worries, leave it with me. I get up there and he made the decision. He said, uh, pay him four days lost time, case closed. So yeah. And this bloke, I said to him later, I said, you can get fuck your smart ass. But there. <laughs> Who then went on to become a senior judge in some court that we all <laughs> that, know and love. And that all, <laughs> I hope I don't have to front him. Yes, I did have to front someone I had an argument with many years later. Cheerio to Chris, if he's listening. <laughs> now, um, in this time, yeah. there is a certain point which we reached in the early 90s where Johnny Cummins, under a lot of pressure, ended up uh, standing norm up. Yeah. How do you feel about all that? Yeah, I, I, I uh, wasn't directly involved, but... I didn't take a stand. I mean, I didn't take a side. Is mm. what I didn't. I didn't. It didn't phase me whether John was running or Norm was running because I did speak to Norm previously and told him he'd been around a couple of years too long and he should have given away. Yeah. In other words, didn't let John take it over. Mm. I mean, I was quite happy John Cummins to take over. That was fine by me mm. because I had I'd known him for years, so I was on the exec with him. I'd been around the traps with him, so it didn't worry me either way. But we needed a new blood. New blood in there, so I mean, we, we needed to change the direction. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Now, let's get on to post 93. Yeah. New direction, the BLF, not only in Victoria, but more particularly in other states, West Australia, Queensland, etc. South Australia. Yeah, are all amalgamated into the CFMEU yeah. with some often bizarre outcomes. So in Western Australia, the BLs ran the show. Yeah. In other places, they were kept separate, but all within the CFMEU, and it was a pretty messy piece of business. In Victoria, fully incorporated because there was no ongoing Victorian branch of the BLF as far as registration was concerned. Yeah. I think we had enough... In the early 90s, where are you? What are you doing? What are you thinking? The early 90s, I don't know where I was early 90s. I was working somewhere in the industry... But uh, we had no choice but to amalgamate because we no longer existed. But I think we'd done it on our terms because we had a lot of kickback from the other unions of who we wanted to bring in on John's team and they were all opposed to it. But they had no no choice. I mean, we were the ones that, as far as I can see, controlled the money, right? had the experience. And I I always thought in that period we we were running, running the CFMEU anyway in one way or another, even even though it was coming out of New South Wales at the time, their, their leadership. Mm. Um, what was the name of it? Tom think. McDonald. Yeah. Don yeah, McDonald. Yeah. Just, Dan trying, Sharkey. Yeah. And I think... It goes on and on. Yeah. Enough of a right-wing reactionaries. I mean, they were just puppets of the Liberals as far as I was concerned. So 
I thought in Victoria we were in good hands because uh, the leadership of the Builders Labourers in the CFMU was, far, as far as I, I was concerned, it was still the Builders Labourers Federation, just in the, in the guise of a CFMU label. So how do you feel about the officials that came from the BWIU and other unions? No. Could work together? No. No. Well, in fact, you had to, but, but no, I'm not, not happy about it. But, yeah, no, no. I, I was happy with the builders' labourers that went into the CFU, yeah. not not the BWIU or FEDFA. No, no. So where do you reckon the CFMEU went through the seventies till we got to, well, virtually today? Because you're still working in the industry, and where do you reckon we've got to after what thirty years? I think I think we're in a sound place. In a good place. I mean, I don't think there's as many political issues that can't be can't be solved now that weren't uh, solved in back in the seventies and eighties. I find the role as a of an official now would be a lot different than the role of an official in the seventies and eighties in this union, because mm. I mean, you're not having to worry about how we're going to get superannuation, how we're going to get CBAS, Inkling, Co Invest, because we've got it now. Mm. So. I think my piece of advice to everyone is just maintain what you've got and don't give it away. Mm. I mean, it's been hard, hard fought for, for by a lot of old, old blokes, including yourself, Ralph, <laughs> and myself. I, I am a bit older than you. <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs> I've been around, Ralph. I know. We both look like we've been around too long, but I, never mind. I think so. I think so, yeah. So yeah. you're working now. Yeah. How do you find... Been on the job, you know. If you think ah, back, a lot different to Greg Phillips, yeah. seventeen, nineteen, yeah, yeah. moving through your twenties and that, and you think now, can you do a comparison? I can do a comparison. I mean, I haven't changed. All I've done is quietened down. I find on the job is is people take everything for granted. Even I had a bloke the other day asking, "How come we haven't got Milo?" And I, <laughs> I said. I said, haven't you got seven bucks in your pocket? I mean, you're on the Hollywood. <laughs> Couldn't you spend ten bucks and go and buy a can of Milo? I said, you got coffee, tea and sugar. I said, what more do you want? Look, we haven't had an industrial blue for 14 years, I reckon. Yeah. And I, these guys don't know nothing about All they've done is reap the rewards from the sweat and toil of us older members that used to have to go and fight for all this shit. They take it all for granted. They take all these amenities as just a grain of salt. They think the boss provided it all for them. They don't realise that the likes of you or me had to go and sit on the grass to win a fucking table and a chair. You know what I mean? For fuck's sake. I mean, to get any any out of a boss, I mean, they bled. They fucking bled, and I enjoyed bleeding them. But the, the blokes today, look, look, God bless them. I mean, I haven't seen them have a go because there's nothing to have a go about. So that's when you see what breed. Look, I hope... Look, the union's in good hands. It's been run 100% well. But uh, I'm from a different era. And I, I get the opportunity. I speak to young blokes at work and that. And I'd always have time and, and oh, I'd take the time and say, look, don't worry about that. Do it this way, that way. You know, Don't be frightened what a boss tells you. Do they listen to you? Yeah, nine times out of ten, yeah, because I'm not being a smart ass. I'm being a wise old man instead of being a smart ass, so, which I still can be, but... I don't to the young bikes. Young bikes, I show them respect. Mm. 
because they're the blokes, they're your future, your union movement. And that. So if you can get one or two, bring, bring them along with you, you're doing all right. And can I put it to you that you're actually maintaining a great tradition that uh, a number of people have mentioned on this podcast, the shed is the best classroom in the world. 100%, yeah. You have to learn yeah. about life, not yeah. just about the industry, but learning about a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And if you can take a minute and, and give them a bit, bit of advice on something, I mean, there's a lot of green skinned kids out there, and I take the time to young blokes now. I was talking to a young bloke last week, and I said, What industry tickets you got? And he didn't have any, hmm. he's only just started. So I worked for Labour Hire come here, and I said to him, the best thing I can say to you is go and get as many tickets as you can because if I was the same age as you and I got the pocket of tickets that I have now and you've got none, the employer's got to give me the job and not you. And it's only on the basis of experience and how many tickets you got in, in what you know specific fields. So, though I've got to say on that point. Was pretty simple back in the seventies. <laughs> had your union ticket, and that's all you had to bloody worry about. That's, that's what I started off. Just had your, had your union ticket, and then we didn't, went, didn't when, even have tickets of competency in those days. I remember, I was about twenty, twenty-one, maybe twenty. I was at Austin Hospital still, and I, I went to the boss and I said, "Listen, it was a brand new Alimac, an old bloke driving, as it should be, an old bloke driving Alimac, because in them days you had to do a hundred hours because that that come in." So I said, "Oh." You paid me to do my course. I said the cost names, and they said no, no fucking way, nothing for me, right? So, so anyway, I was, I'd pay for it myself. Anyway, I used to do, do an hour every day with this old bloke. I forget his name, a lovely bloke, and he had arthritic hands like I've got today, and he had arthritis in his thumbs. He used to get the gout, and he used to say to me, "I got the fucking gout," and I'd twist his thumb, I'd grab it, and twist it. You fucking bastard! He goes, "You fucking prick!" He goes, "You'll get that one day." Yeah, sure enough, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all good, clean, wholesome fun when you can't even push the buttons on your mobile no. phone properly. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no worries, comrade. The experience over all of that time, what do you reckon the highlights have been? In terms of what a an industry for workers, not, oh, yeah, look. not just workers for an industry. No, no. Something out of it that workers yeah, no. have got, something that you reckon... Well, you look back and you have a little smile well, on the Well, I do. I have a smile over superannuation, C-Bus, Inkling, Co-Invest. Because when I started, it was non-existent. And so we had campaigns and we, we won, won all those. So I look back at that as an achievement. And I mean one that's outlasted, the, uh, that's been there for 40-odd years. So, which has been there 30-something years. But, yeah, so I, I, that sticks out to me. That sticks out. That and um, I think health and safety is, is is a lot more sharper nowadays than it was back in my day. So, what about inclement weather? Oh, inclement weather. Inclement weather. I find uh, well, where I'm working at the minute there is no inclement weather because it's a sealed in building. <laughs> but uh, inclement weather. I mean, I've heard lately that uh, they're trying to bring in um, ponchos. So that instead of a covered walkway, you put a poncho on and you go, you go, you go work. You leave the inclement weather clause alone. Well, just digressing again because I love yeah. to digress. The inclement weather, to my mind, is probably the most important thing that has come out of 
all the years that I can remember because you actually control the conditions you work in. Yeah, true. Because when the buck is everything, they don't care if you're getting wet, you're heat stressed or anything else. They just want the production. Yeah. It's, you, yeah, can, spot on. you are in control of your working life. Yeah. And I reckon... It's spot on, Ralph. That's what this industry's got to think about, is being in control of your working conditions. Whether it's inclement weather, health and safety, whether it's security of employment, it all comes down to controlling your work, yeah. the way you work, how you work with people, and getting something out of it more than just the money. Yeah. The money's great. Yeah, you only sell your labour, but it's the conditions that uh, are to go with important. it. Yeah, you're right about the climate weather. Now, what about some people that stand out in your mind, and you go tick off to that bloke, tick that off. person, that woman, whatever? Normie Wallace, I tick Normie Wallace, Normie Wallace, hundred percent. Normie Wallace used to, I'd ring up the union office when I was blowing, when I was a shop steward, and I'd. Can I speak to Norm, please? And I'd want to speak to Norm Gallagher because he just you do what you want, Greg. Go for it. And Normie Wallace would explain to you what you're about to get involved with. And because I was a delegate on the trades all with him for ages, yeah. I, I always took whatever he told me, I always took his advice because he a very wise man, Normie Wallace. So, Well, you won't get any argument from me because I'm one of his number one fans. Uh, He's a good bloke. But very smart man. Norm Gallagher had the push. Uh, he had that little bit of arrogance. I was gonna say self confidence, whatever yeah. it was, to yeah. say we're as good as anyone, better than no one, and we want it recognized. Yeah, well, you gotta recognise that he did get the build builders labour brought him into the twentieth century. He pulled him back. These tradesmen were standing all over you, straighten you like shit. Well, he pulled them up. Though I've got to say, though I'd never had the, the personal experience, the name of Paddy Malone... Yeah, Paddy Malone, yeah. ...is really an important figure yeah. in uh, the history in of the period right? after oh, the Second World War. Yeah. Anyone else that you oh. reckon deserves oh. a tick? Oh, Archie Thomas deserves a tick in my books. He, did, he wasn't frightened of anyone. Mm. He'd always spoke his mind mm. and always told you to speak your mind. Don't yeah. carry it on half. Still owes me money. <laughs> <laughs> you got no hope of recovering that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, I think uh, Normie Gallagher, Normie Wallace, uh, probably, probably others, but I learnt more on the job than I ever did, ever did uh, uh, sitting around with people, learning, but... Uh, I think when I, uh, I'd just stick with Normie Wallace and Normie Gallagher. And come over was good. Come over was good to me. Oh, I was out of industry for a while, and then I come back, and he, I remember him saying, "What do you want to do, Greg?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "What job do you want? What do you been doing?" I said, "Oh, landscaping, fucking." So he goes, "You know the Spencer Hotel next to, just down from Spencer Street Station." There, he says, "There's a job there for some landscapers," and I, I, he said, "Go down there and see the shoppy." And you get to start there's a landscape. And I said to him, John, I don't want to be a fucking landscaper on a building site. I said, I want to be a builder's labourer on a building site. You asked me what, what I'd been doing. I said, it's because I hadn't been working. I'd, I'd been landscaping. He just fucking laughed at me. Normally, he used to, uh, my experience, look out the window, mm. point, 
and go the wailing walls that way. <laughs> and he used to get a little bit pissed off with me because I used to go, well, actually, John, it's a bit more north-northwest if you actually want to be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I was usually told to fuck off. Anyway, your time in the industry, certainly been around a long time, and as I said earlier in this uh, interview, you're the youngest old long-termer I know. I've been around, I've done a few things, and probably, probably more than others did, but I went in head first, arse up, and survived. So I've had a lot of run-ins with a lot of politicians. I still don't, I, I still, uh, what I do now, I was talking to my shopper the other day, and I said to him, I'll leave that shit to you now. I said, I don't make the bullets. I said, you make them, you fire them. I said, I'm not going to make any for you. I said, I'm here to fucking... Just to, just to observe nowadays, hmm. just to observe. My days are blowing a long gone. As I said to you before, I, I'm at the back of the march now, not hmm. up the front. Well, you've done enough kamikazes over the time. No, I've done plenty, mate. Yes, and uh, the best one for uh, asking to, for a kamikaze was, well, it was, a, it was a bloody contest. Normie Gallagher or Johnny Cummins? Uh, Normie Gallagher mm-hmm. used to take you outside having summoned you to the office, take you outside, you'd get into the Statesman DeVille, which is always parked in front of 11 Ligon Street, (laughs) drive all the way up to Nocturno uh, Coffee Shop, which he liked. Uh, He'd have a coffee, uh, you'd have a coffee, he'd have a donut, a toasted sandwich and a few other things, you had a coffee. And uh, then you got told you were going to go and do Mission Impossible. Always. You survived it? I survived, yeah. I think I survived because I, I street smart, I think. I think experience gets you through a lot of things. I mean, shit you get exposed to as in getting thrown, thrown in the deep end, it makes you aware of a lot of, a lot of things around you. Mm. So it's, it's all experience. Mm. Like I can read the play on a building site. Mm. I read the, you, tell me, you can tell me whatever you like, but I can read the play straight away. I can tell you who's any good and who's not. So, but uh, I remember I remember the days when Normie Gallagher lived upstairs. And I remember when he moved in there, and I think I was still I, I was still painting. I think at that stage, out the back. Anyway, he used to drop the key down to me. I'd ring the bell, special special ring. Right? So he'd open the window upstairs and he'd throw me down the keys. And the time I opened the door and got upstairs. He'd have a cup of tea and two pizza of toast ready for me. Oh, geez, so it, were, it, were, it turned around for me. You were the favourite child. <laughs> me kissing his ass to him making me fucking breakfast. Uh, but I, I knew he somewhat Wayne. But no, no, look, they were all good times. I mean, we had ups and downs mm. in the industry. So, but I didn't. I I never did, and I never will take sides. Mm. I, I'm just me. I mean, I, I've been to heaps of functions full of builders' labourers and one, one mob up one end, one mob up the other. And I'd walk up one end and say hello to them all down that end. Mm. And I'd walk up the other end and they say, why are you talking to those pricks for? And I'm so what are you talking about? No, they're all pricks. And I said, I'll say hello to who I want to say hello to. And then I go back down the other end, what are you talking to them pricks for? I said the same reason. Look, I'll talk to who I want. You're not telling me if I can talk to Righto. Now tell me mm-hmm. where you reckon the industry's at now and where do you see the future? How I see the industry today? 
I mean, we're, we've had a boom that's gone for 20 years. Yeah, the boom's got to stop eventually, doesn't it? So the arse will fall out of it. When, when all this infrastructure work finishes, like the North East Link, the Metro Tunnel and the North East Link, when they're shut, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of building workers out of work. So I mean, maybe some will go back stacking shelves where they, where they come from, at supermarkets. But, I mean, we'll survive. I mean, we've survived before. That's just the creature of the industry, the nature of the industry, Ralph. I mean, we've all been through, through the crashes. And whether we worked or on the dole, find a bit here and a bit there, we've all been through it. We've all been down on the grass for six months or more. <laughs> so we all know what it's about. And we survived. We fuck all. I take me out off to me missus. Yep. They had to pull up with me. So when she said jump, I used to jump. Yep. We're moving here, Greg. I thought, oh, hang on, hang on. No. It certainly helps. Yeah, so. But no, the industry, look, I see, it's, I see it heading for a crash and then we're going to have to pull our boots up and fucking start again, mate. Yep. I mean, the likes of you or me are on the arse end of it, but for the young blokes that are out there, they just got to roll with the punches, mate. If you, yep. you want to stay in the industry, it's fucking it's the way it is. And we all come and go from the industry, both yeah, us both. and other people yep. we know come and go. We've all done it. But... Uh, it hasn't been a bad journey, has it? Very good, hasn't it? I've enjoyed, <laughs> I, I, I've enjoyed every every minute of it. Every minute of it, loved it all the way. I mean, nothing more I like than stealing up a boss. <laughs> and I mean that in a nice way. Yeah. And uh, just to finish off, because yes, my friend, we're starting to run out of puff a bit, but well, as as our age creeps up, yes. Uh, but it's been fun, even in the worst of times. Some of the stuff that people say, people do, it's just you shake your head and go, am I actually in this bloody yeah. show or what's going how on? Many times, crazy. How many times have we sat on the grass? Right? I'll tell you, the 76 lockout. I mean, and I'll tell you something not a lot of people know, but whenever we were locked out, the state, the organisers were put on the same rate as the unemployed. Yes. They all got yes. the same, they got the yep. equivalent of the doll. Yep. So it wasn't this the organisers still getting their 400 bucks a week, whatever. They, they went down to the same rate that we were getting, which was fuck all. Yep. Yep. So I take my hat off to stuff like that. And I, I always say that we've always stuck together yep. as an industry. And that includes fucking, you've got to drag the tradesmen along with you. <laughs> but they know that <laughs> in a nice way. But as an industry, we all stick together. Yeah. We and always have. If you can have some fun along the way, make a quid and come out in one piece at the end. As long as you can get out of it at the end. Yeah. yeah. And it's always a smile around the corner anyway, I reckon. Well, we've had a couple of smiles today. and uh, Good good, good having been, a yarn to you. And that's what we're about on Creatures of the Industry, is having a yarn to people, remembering, and if somebody listening to this gets something out of it, just a laugh, great. If they learn a little bit, even better, because the cheapest way to learn is from the experience of others. That's it. Look after your workmates. And look after your mates. Good Greg you. Phillips, thank you very much. It was a pleasure, Ralph. It was an absolute pleasure for me too. And if you like the podcast, if you're enjoying episodes, feel free to send us an email, Creatures of the Industry, lowercase, one word, at gmail.com and just keep us bouncing along. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Ralph. We're
Opening up new buildings We're knocking down the old You have been listening to Creatures of the Industry, an ongoing series of oral history interviews about the building and construction industry in Melbourne and regional Victoria since the 1960s. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast, produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio, 21 Smith Street in Fitzroy. For more information, go to 3cr.org.au. We all of us are workers united, we must stand Until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land We faced deregistration, it backfired in the face We're not fooled by arbitration, we won't stay in our place We hit the bosses hard and fast to win and keep our gains and break a couple of concrete pours to back our log of claims. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high. It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky. We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed. Our builder's labour is a name to make a man feel 